Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Lions Den. No Nick Dawkins today, no Jerry Cross. Instead, we have our very first NFL guest, the man, the myth, the legend that is Mitchell Tinsley. You are a very unique individual because I remember sitting in Sean Clifford's apartment right across the street over at the yards of Old State. And he told me, yo, we got a new transfer in. Uh, He's here now. So I'm sitting down there. I got this image in my mind of who's going to come down the steps, this big, tough receiver, tough guy. And you came downstairs with the little homie Oscar, your little cat, man. Yeah. Uh, Did you feel like coming in, you had to go earn some of that respect and go get it? Uh, And were you looking forward to those opportunities? I was definitely looking forward to those opportunities. Like, you know, coming in, like, you know, you hear about, like, Joey Porter and, you know, uh, Kalen King and all these, you know, different guys. And I'm ready to compete. I mean, these are the best, the best corners in college football. I'm, I'm ready to see because I feel like I'm one of the best receivers, in which I feel like coming off that year, I was one of the best receivers come in college football. So just for the people back home, you're telling me that the year that you have 1,400 yards and 14 touchdowns, you went into the spring, not even as a starter. Yeah, I went into the spring, not even as a starter. Stay faithful. We got the bowl game merch for you guys. Hoodies, tees, long sleeves, whatever you feel like wearing, we got it for the 2023 Peach Bowl. Check out the We Are Feeling Peachy gear in the link below. Have fun in Atlanta and looking forward to it. We are. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Lions Den. No Nick Dawkins today, no Jerry Cross. Instead, we have our very first NFL guest, the man, the myth, the legend that is Mitchell Tinsley. Mitch, how are you doing today, brother? Man, I'm good, man. I'm good. How are you? I can't complain. Anytime we got Mitch Tinsley in the house, it's a, it's a good day. Um, you know, we, we got a lot to get into. Your story is impressive. It's a journey to say the least. But before we do that, we got to let the people know how we got to know each other. You actually, we never were teammates, Tins. We kind of hit a, a period where yeah. I had just retired from playing football and you yeah. were just transferring in. But, you know, I was thinking about it today and you are a very unique individual because – I remember sitting in Sean Clifford's apartment right across the street over at the yards of Old State. And he told me, yo, we got the new transfer in. Uh, He's here now. So I'm sitting down there. I got this image in my mind of who's going to come down the steps, this big, tough receiver, tough guy. And you came downstairs with the little homie Oscar, your little cat, man. Yeah. Uh, Introduced yourself. You introduced Oscar. uh, And you were a very kind dude, man. So shout out to you. Shout out Oscar, man. How's Oscar doing, by the way? Man, Oscar's doing good, man. He's, you know, just chilling as always. You know, he's yeah. doing his thing. But yeah, but yeah. I, I'll tell you what, though. For the people who don't know, the biggest beef in Penn State football history might have been between Sean Clifford and Oscar. That's a little known fact about Sean Clifford. He is uh, yeah. a big cat guy. You got any stories about Sean and that cat? Oh, man. Like, I mean, it's just... <laughs> They they got along, but like it was it was to the point where like I, I could tell Sean's not really like an animal person, you know what I mean? And so you know I I usually had you know Oscar in my room or whatever. So but anytime you know I let him out or just kind of roam around, I, he uh, you know he would have Oscar's kind of the type of the cat that he wants to go around food and things like that. He don't he don't really know boundaries like that. So I think that kind of sometimes rub him the wrong way. But you know, I think I think they did all right together. <laughs> no, for sure. They they made it work, man. That's the important thing. Um, before we get to your journey, I'm going to ask you a question. And I thought about this because I remember my last year playing, we went to the Outback Bowl. And I remember when I saw y'all got the Rose Bowl the next year, I told myself, 
I'd have thugged that bad knee out for one more season if it meant going to the Rose Bowl. (laughs) (laughs) Penn State this year is going to the Peach Bowl. So I want to ask you, with your long, extensive college career, are there any bowl games you look at now where you're like, man, that would have been a cool one to get to that you didn't get to play in? Uh, I mean, I mean, I, I finished it off in the Rose Bowl. I mean, I like that's Rose Bowl. as good as it can get. I mean, besides going to the playoff, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, like, you know, they go to the Peach Bowl this year. That would have been cool. Or the Cotton Bowl. Or, you know, you know, those big bowl games would have been awesome to go to. But, I mean, I don't – I think, you know, ending it, ending it off in the Rose Bowl is probably, you know, the best that, you know, I, I think I could have done, honestly. Yeah. So, I mean, I was, I, I was happy with that. There's nothing like it. I mean, I, I got to play in the Cotton Bowl. Um, that was really cool. New Year's Six, historically, yeah. something right. But something about the Rose Bowl, bro. There is something just a little bit different about that. If you're not playing in the national championship, then send yeah. me to the Rose Bowl every time. Um, no, definitely. Yeah. And I want to ask you, um, you know, your journey is spectacular, to say the least. Yeah, And we'll get into the details here. But I want to start, you know, at a place I know you know well. Uh, coming out of high school, you went there, Hutchinson Community, JUCO route. Penn State has had a ton of success with JUCO guys, yourself, Jaquan Brisker, Jair Brown, all going from JUCO to playing in the NFL. So I want to take you back to Hutchinson Community and when you decided to go there out of high school. Talk to me about that thought process, how you ended up there, and give me a little bit of background on that. Oh, man. So um, out of high school, so I only played one year of high school football. I played football in Little League. Um, but, you know, I kind of wanted to try different things. And, you know, I was I did track when I was little and I never got a chance to play basketball. So high school came around, uh, you know, it was free. Um, so, you know, I tried out for the basketball team in middle school and high school. And you know, I was just trying to do the basketball thing to see how far I could take that. But, you know, I started missing football. So I came back my senior year. So I only played one, one year of high school football. Uh, so I didn't really have many offers or anything like that. Um, I had some Division two schools that wanted me to walk on um, and some like NAI schools that wanted me to walk on. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I ended up deciding I'm going to try to, you know, bet on myself and go the JUCO route. So they, I ended up uh, hearing about a tryout at Hutchinson Community College and uh, ended up making a team, and, you know, that's how I got there. That's crazy. That's crazy. So you were a hooper by nature, track and field kids. So I'll ask you about yeah. basketball. Because I know right, all right. football guys that will say that they can play basketball if you ask them. So I'm going right, to ask right. you right now with the understanding that our viewers are really good at Googling this type of information. Right. <laughs> points per game was Mitch Tinsley putting up back in this prime? So here, here's a little story about that. So uh, I played play basketball my freshman year, sophomore year, and junior year. Um, so freshman year, I was on freshman team. Sophomore year, I was on JV. Uh, junior year, I was on varsity. Um I started like one or two games, and I, I think in both of those games, I, let's say I had ten, I had ten points. You know, one was probably fifteen, one was like eight, whatever, somewhere. So let's say I averaged ten, twelve points, whatever. Okay. Um, so I had like six turnovers, like one of those games. They moved me from varsity back to JV, okay. and right there, I was like. That's when the reality hit. Like I should probably, just, I know I'm good at football. Like I, I just need to go back to what I, what I do. And uh, so that's kind of when I decided I was like, I'm done with this. I'm, I'm gonna go play football. That's I appreciate the humility and the honesty, man. People would have lied about getting sent back to that JV. So I, I respect it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for sure. And you know, I'll ask you straight up. You know, my only understanding of JUCO, other than what I, I've learned talking to guys like you and Brisker uh, and Jair. Uh, is what I watched on Last Chance You coming out of high school. 
Um, I was watching it in a different scenario. I played football the whole time. I had every offer in the country that I wanted, but yeah. I wasn't taking school seriously. So what I would right. do to motivate myself to get my academics handled <laughs> in line was I'd go watch <laughs> Last Chance You and right. understand right. that it can really get like that. So I want to ask you, you know, obviously the school was good to you and it helps you propel to where you are now. But with that JUCO experience, can you recall anything that was extra gritty? Uh, in your time there? Uh, I mean, like, well, the great, the greatest part, I mean, that's kind of part of the reason why I went to JUCO, because, I mean, if I had, you know, the grades, I think I probably would have walked on, because that's the other reason. I didn't, um, I had, like, a 2.4 GPA, 2.4 GPA, and my ACT score, you know, when you have a low GPA, you need a higher ACT. ACT, yeah. Yeah. I needed, like, I, I think I got, like, a 17 on my ACT. So it was, like, I needed to keep retaking in that, I just did not want to retake that ACT and study for it and all those different things. And that, you know, that was probably part of my downfall also was in high school. I, like, I did enough just to get by high school. I never really liked school and things like that. So that's kind of the reason why I ended up at JUCO. Um, but uh, anyway, but yeah, like, as far as, like, the grittiness of JUCO, I mean, it's, it's one of them things, man. It's like you got to do what you got to do uh, to, to make it out. But, like, it's like, I mean – I don't know. I just, there's a lot of stories, man, but I, 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 feel I was, like, go ahead. Go go ahead. ahead. I was just saying, like, I mean, you know, honestly, man, it's just like, you know, going to the calf every, every day. We had to, we had to take this little long walk down the street to uh, get to the, you know, the, the student uh, cafeteria. Uh, it just, you know, the food wasn't there. It wasn't, wasn't really too good. You know, we was, they had this little discount code at Papa John's. I was like right down the street and, you know, we get like a medium pizza for like, like $6. And so we just keep hitting that code in. So anyway, I mean, I don't know. There's, there's a lot of different things that, you know, that went on at JUCO. But, I mean, honestly, it's kind of one of them things that you, you want to do whatever it takes, you know, to make it to where you're trying to get to. So You bring up some good points. I remember as a player at Penn State, one thing that Franklin would always say that would zone me out while I was at Penn State was, hey, I know everything isn't perfect, and there are other things that you might like to have at Penn State. But there are other places that you can be that do not have nearly uh, the facilities that we have to take care of y'all. So, you know, you got to see both of them. Are the differences that stark between a JUCO and a place like Penn State? Yeah. I mean, like, it's like, you know, I was in the middle of Kansas, in the middle of, like, I don't want to say nowhere. I'm not trying to disrespect Hutchinson Community College or community, you know, the area. But, like, you know, it just wasn't a lot going on there. Um, and as far as that, like the facilities and things, you know, a junior college, you know, budget and things like that, it's only so much they can do. You know what I mean? So it's like the training room wasn't as nice as even Western Kentucky. Like when I went from Hutchinson Community College to Western Kentucky, I mean, it was a night and day difference. And then when I went from Western Kentucky to Penn State, a night and day difference. So it's like, I don't know. It's like, yeah, it, it creates appreciation. It creates, you know, like that thing, like, man, like look how far I've come. Like, you know, that, like that moment in your head also for sure for sure that makes a ton of sense and i'll ask you right now i think there there are a lot of talented guys every year that take the juco route for whatever reason they go to the juco um but you know talent alone doesn't ensure that you get out of the juco and that you elevate to the next level so what i want to ask you about right now is your mindset that you had while you were at hutchinson community and then i'd also like to ask what advice you give to a young player who may be at a JUCO and it may not be the most ideal situation that they were really envisioning for their future and their career. But obviously you're a guy who is panned out for you're playing for the Washington commanders now. So what would you give in terms of advice to those young players in that situation? 
Man, I mean, my mindset was, you know, by any means, um, like by any means necessary. That's that's how I, I like I had to have it. Like I know that I'm not gonna be given anything, um, and that's that's kind of been my like even little league. Like I was always kind of like the second best player, or like you know, I mean, I was never like oh like Mitch, he's that guy. Like I, was, it never got to that point. It was like oh Mitch is good, you know, he's he's solid. Even in high school, he's, like, he's solid, but he's not he's not that guy. So it, it always put a chip on my shoulder to like you know always have to work harder than the other guys or people next to me. Like I remember getting a JUCO, and on paper, because I walked on, so like on paper, I'm not even really supposed to play. We had bounce backs or you know high school recruits that you know had offers from Georgia and Florida and things like that, uh, Florida State and all these different schools that you know were the same age as me coming in as freshmen. But the only reason they're not at the Power Five schools is because their grades and things like that. And, I didn't even have, I'd have nowhere near those type of offers, you know what I mean? So on paper, you know what I mean? But it's like, it's one of the things like when you put the work in and, you know, you know what you're capable of and, you know, you, you know, you attack your weaknesses every single day and you always have that end goal in mind. But knowing that, you know, you got to focus on this one day at a time, um, then you'll end up, you know, usually where you want to be at. For sure. Be where your feet are, man. Six second mentality. Right. That, that same Definitely. principle that you try to carry as a football player. That's life. No, definitely. I heard Kobe. Kobe said one thing. He was like, uh, you know, you got to have the mindset that like you want it to happen tomorrow, but have like the patience or something like that. Have the patience to know that, like, you know, it's not going to happen just like that. And you just got to, you know, just keep working, keep working, keep working. But, you know, obviously knowing that you're trying to get it tomorrow, like you're trying to make it happen. (laughs) Yeah, straight up. I'll, I'll transition. You brought up Western Kentucky already. Um, you know, you transfer there, you, you find success in year one and then year two, you like explode. I mean, before you even transfer to Penn State, I was hearing about the way you explode 1400 yards plus 14 touchdowns. You, you absolutely ball out of WKU. So and you mentioned it. It's a step up from where you were. Right. So when making that transition, what is it you feel like that allowed you to find some of that success, especially in year two? Uh. Well, I would say because when I first got to Western, right, um, you know, they had just had a receiver. His name was Lucky Jackson. He's uh, he's he's on the Minnesota Vikings right now. Uh, but they had just had a receiver leave, and you know, he had had a thousand plus yards, a couple uh, like ten ten plus touchdowns or something like that. So I'm walking in, you know, after he had just left, and you know, I'm like, I'm trying to re- recreate that same success uh, that he had just had, uh, and that year. You know, I, I, I was the leading receiver and things like that. But me personally, I didn't reach any of the goals. I had I got really, like, high goals and standards, you know, for myself. And, you know, we offensively, we didn't have a good year. It was COVID. That was COVID year 2020. Um, so, I mean, just things weren't, weren't going well. And then, you know, you go into the springtime, you know, coming up before I had that big year. They have – they bring they recruit two receivers basically to – you know, you know how college is, the business is, you know, always didn't do well. We're going to recruit new people to, you know, do different things. So they recruited new people. And, you know, I started the next year in springtime as second string. I was I was second string that whole spring for the most part. Um, and I earned my job back towards the end. Got so back. Up, real quick, real, just for the people back home, you're telling me that the year that you have 1,400 yards and 14 touchdowns, you went into the spring, not even as a starter. Yeah, I went into the spring, not even the starter. We had we had a whole new offensive staff, new offensive coordinator. Um, we had I had a new receiver coach. Um, I mean, yeah, it was it was just new 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 faces around. I mean, we still had the same head coach, and our defensive side was still the same, but we had had new everything offense. 
And so it was kind of just like I got to prove myself to you know new coaches all over again. I'm starting second string. They recruited two people, um, two new uh, you know players to basically you know take over the starting uh, receivers uh, receiver spots. So it was kind of like you know one of the things like you know you like. It's one of the things in the process where it's like, man, like, you know, I hope everything goes the way it's supposed to go because I know the work I put in, you know what I mean? I just hope that, you know, I get the opportunity to show it. Yeah, and you talk about the work that you put in leading up to those things. And, you know, I think confidence is super important with players and young players especially. You already brought up Kobe. I just saw a clip of him playing in the gold medal game in the Olympics. And he's yeah. talking about how he's walking around. He can tell how nervous everybody is. Like these NBA All-Stars are nervous. And he yeah. thought to himself, yeah, he should be way more nervous than I am because I know I'm ready. Yeah, he had done yeah. the work and that gives some confidence. So, you know, leading into that, I want to ask you, you know, at what point, having come from JUCO and having gone to a, a Conference USA team in Western Kentucky, did you say to yourself, you know, I'm Mitch Tinsley and I can go play in the NFL. I can go play at a Power Five if I want to. When did that switch hit where you truly were able to believe that? I would say my sophomore year at JUCO, uh, my my sophomore season, um, my coach, it was my it was my receivers coach back home and my uh, coach at Hutchinson Community College. My sophomore year, they kind of were really like they used to always say things like, "Man, like you could be one of the top receivers in the country. Like you need to work like it. You know, you know, just little things like that." And it's like at first you like you know. At, coming out of JUCO, I was like, man, I, like I hope I can get like an FCS offer, like just a small Division One school and things like that. And then you see, like, at my freshman year, I had uh, his name was Jalen Irwin. He went, he he got offered to UCLA. He was getting all these big offers, and it kind of switches your mindset of what you can accomplish and what you can attain. And so, it, you know, it was kind of one of them things. So it's like really my sophomore year, I was like, like I'm putting in the work. I'm seeing like the fruits of my labor, like show up, and it's like. I, I, I can do this, especially when you start playing against other people who are, you know, going to these big schools, things like that. You know what you're doing to them? Like, I know, like, I know what I'm capable of. Yeah. I think a lot of times what you see, and there are cases of this all over the place, um, where, you know, people coming out of high school or even maybe early in college, they're supposed to be X, Y, Z because they got four stars, five stars. They had this offer, that offer. And then you get to school. Or you get to whatever program it is and you go up against them, you're like, he's actually not even a little bit better than I am. I never yeah. had that experience at Penn State. Actually, a lot of people had that experience with me, but it's a very, <laughs> very real part of the process for guys. Um, yeah. And what I'll ask you, actually, before I say that, I'll tell you another story. So you mentioned having guys transfer in and, and becoming a second string guy uh, in that spring before you exploded. So I remember it's after the COVID season. So I had just like, I played against Illinois at the end of the year. I had a TFL. I'm like, this is my opportunity. Right, right, right. Here. I'm about to climb the ladder. I'm playing next year. Right, um, right. Doing the numbers, I, I was honest with myself as a player. There were probably a solid four or five D tackles who were better than me and were going right. to remain better than me. Like That's just right. what it was. But I was going to still play. I was going to be that 6D tackle. I get on Twitter one morning. And I see a kid named Derek Tangelo has committed to Penn State from Duke. He's a D tackle. Um, yeah. And we get to spring ball. And let me tell you something. I, I had the mindset that I was going to embarrass him. I'm ready. I'm better than this kid. They made a mistake bringing him in. And Derek Tangelo plays for the Atlanta Falcons now. And I do podcasts. So <laughs> that's how it goes sometimes. Man. Yeah, it's just, it's um, just the nature of the, you know, hey, college is a business too. It's business, man. 
It's yeah. just God had, God had different plans for the boy, man. That's okay. Definitely. Definitely. I'm going to put you on the spot here before we get to Penn State um, and that transition. But bigger jump from JUCO to WKU or from WKU to Penn State? Which one did you feel like this was a bigger talent gap or maybe whatever it was that made it more difficult of a transition? Stay faithful. We got the bowl game merch for you guys. Hoodies, tees, long sleeves, whatever you feel like wearing, we got it for the 2023 Peach Bowl. Check out the We Are Feeling Peachy gear in the link below. Have fun in Atlanta and looking forward to it. We are. That's uh, tough because I don't, I don't really feel like it was a jump, honestly. Either either situation, I felt like after my sophomore year of uh, my second year, second season at Penn State. I felt ready. I, I was I was ready. I played against people who were going to Bama and things like that. Like when I went to West Kentucky, I was I felt like I was ready. You know, I, mean, I felt like I was a power fire player then. I just didn't have the offers. You know, what I mean, there were some power five schools that were interested, but they didn't end up pulling the trigger and offering me. So I mean, I felt like I was ready going to West Kentucky. I spent my two seasons there at West Kentucky, um, and you know, I balled out when we played the power five schools at West Kentucky. I balled out against those t- schools, Michigan State, Indiana, things like that. So. For that fifth year, that COVID year, um, when I decided into my name in the transfer ball, I knew that only schools I'm going to are Power Five schools. Like I'm trying to, you know, put on the biggest stage possible. And when I got to Penn State, you know, I had full confidence in my abilities and what I could do. Um, so I mean, I don't really feel like it was, you know, a, a jump. Honestly, you know, what I mean, it was kind of like my mindset was already ready and prepared to go to work. You know, I had to earn my position because there was other schools. Um, in a transfer portal when I first left, like big schools that were trying to offer me, you know, this amount of money and this amount of money or whatever to go to their schools and things like that. But I think I felt more comfortable coming to Penn State because it wasn't anything promised necessarily. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? It was like Jahan just left, you know, there's a spot here. You know what I mean? You have to come here and earn it. I came there second string, you know, I had to earn it. But for me, I was, I was fully confident in my ability and what I was capable of. So it was kind of one of those things. That's that's interesting you say that. I know that Coach Franklin is not just handing out jobs and he's not going to make those promises. But I think maybe yeah. when he's back home, and especially in this modern transfer portal era, you would think that there are coaches out here who are making those guarantees. And there are coaches who will do that. Yeah, but you're saying that you actually found comfort in Franklin not making those guarantees and letting you know straight yeah. up that if you wanted the spot, you'd have to come in and win it. Yeah, definitely. Because, I mean, every, my, I was always told, you know, if it sounds like it's too good to be true, it usually is. You know what I mean? You know, so it's like they can say they're going to offer me this amount of money and things like that. Or you're going to be our number one guy when you get there. And, you know, just for me and, you know, like my life experiences and things like that, like I don't I don't really feel too comfortable with that. You know what I mean? So it's like you never know how those situations would have worked out. But, you know, for me, you know, I felt comfortable knowing that. There's an open spot. Nobody has played in it besides the person that just left. Yep. It's, what are you going to do with it when you get here in spring ball? But, so that was kind of my mentality. Yeah, it seems like, I mean, due to the circumstances you found yourself in and some of your experiences, you know how to go compete and you know how to go win. And it's like you're almost more comfortable when you're in the face of adversity or some type of confrontation. Um, Definitely. Yeah, for sure. I, I want to ask you, you know, I can remember when I was playing with the transfer portal being as new as it was and still kind of is, um, that when we had a player transfer in, especially a player who is transferring up from a, from a Western Kentucky to a Penn State, as a player on the active roster before that, like, I'm looking for them to get challenged. I'm looking to see how they respond in the face of adversity and competition to see if they can hang and bang. So what I'll ask you on the other side of that 
is did you feel like coming in, you had to go earn some of that respect and go get it? Uh, and were you looking forward to those opportunities? I was definitely looking forward to those opportunities. Like, you know, coming in, like, you know, you hear about, like, Joey Porter and, you know, uh, Kalen King and all these, you know, different guys. And I'm ready to compete. I mean, these are the best, the best corners in college football. I'm, I'm ready to see because I feel like I'm one of the best receivers, in which I feel like coming off that year, I was one of the best receivers come in college football. So I was excited for the opportunity. And then, you know, obviously earning your respect and practice and, uh, you know, winter workouts and things like that. And like, you know, I was looking forward to, you know, getting to work and, you know, just proving that I belong and I should have been at this level the whole time. You know what I mean? So that was kind of my mentality, you know. So, yeah, yeah that was my mindset. For sure. And I'll ask you about a guy you already mentioned, Kalen King, who's going to get ready to come out for the NFL draft this year. You competed against him day in and day out last season. What is it about Kalen as a corner that makes him special? They're, they're talking about potentially him being a top 20 pick, a first rounder, the first cornerback in Penn State history to go in the first round. What is it about him that, that makes him that special? His competitiveness. I mean, I, I feel like everybody says that, but like he, he, he really competes. I mean, every time, and like, you know, sometimes, you know, I've been in places where it's like, you know, starters, especially during the season, nobody wants to do like one-on-ones and like, you know, they're trying to get in and out of practice and things like that. Anytime, you know, we had one-on-one situations where we got to go against the defense, like in competitive periods or anything like that, he was like, hey, Mitch, hey, come over here, let's, 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 let's work, like that type of thing. And like, I feel like, you know, he was always, even when like me and Parker used to always go up to the facility and, you know, get some extra work and I would always see him there. So, I mean, I feel like for me, you know, as long as he keeps that mindset, you know, going into his next step and, you know, going to play in, in the pros, I feel like he'll, he'll, he'll do all right. He'll do a good job. What I was saying was, you know, I feel like there are a lot of places around the country that you can you can go play in the NFL at really from any level. Uh, if you got the juice, they'll come find you. But one of the benefits of going to Penn State in this era is that you got guys like Kalen King who are going to be in the facility late at night when you think you're sneaking in. It's just going to be you working out hard. They're, you know, iron sharpens iron. And it's plastered yeah. on the walls as soon as you go in. You're entering the most competitive environment in college football. And the type of athletes that are at Penn State now are allowing that to be a reality. And, and talking about competition, I'm going to take you back to 2022 before the season. There was all kinds of noise with a young, talented guy and Drew Aller, who we're seeing his talent now. He's growing into the quarterback that he'll ultimately be. And the guy who's playing in the NFL, Sean Clifford, a Green Bay Packer. You know, I was in the media that year. I remember all of the outside noise and the conversation about who should be playing quarterback and the coaches aren't making the right decision, blah, blah, blah. You guys go ultimately and win a Rose Bowl that season. You guys stayed focused through that uh, outside noise, if you will. How did you do that as an offense? Where did it come from? Did you hear the noise? And how did you handle it? Uh, for me, you know, you, you hear some of that noise, definitely. But, you know, you try to just control what you can control. Um, and, you know, for me, you know, Sean was my roommate. So, you know, that, that was my guy. You know, obviously, you know, I rock with Drew Heavy also. And I'm, I'm glad to see all the things he's doing. He always worked his butt off. Yeah. Um, but, you know, for me, you know, yeah, you, you hear those things. But I think at the end of the day, like I said, you just got to control what you can control and do your job to the best of your ability. And I think, you know, that's what everybody did on offense, you know, to help us win that, uh, that Rose Bowl. Yeah. Well, I'll ask you about about Drew. Obviously, we, we know about Sean. He's the backup quarterback with the Packers. He all time leader in pretty much every category of Penn State. So, you know, he was a great quarterback in his own right. You got another one yeah. coming up. We got to see Drew in his first full year as a starter, did some good things. What did you notice about Drew as a young player that indicated to you that he had a chance to be special? Just his 
his level of like how how much poise he had. You know, he would come in. Uh, I remember Purdue's first game of the season. I think Sean had cramped up, um, and it was like two or three drives. He came in. He was standing in the pocket. You know, delivering the ball. Um, I, I think you know for the most part he came in there and handled that situation really well as a, you know as a true freshman who hadn't taken any reps or anything like that. So I feel like honestly, you know, he did a really good job coming in. He stepped in a few times during the season. Michigan, uh, Indiana. Uh, uh, that, that I can remember right now uh, when we played. Uh, so yeah, I mean, like I think that he was just he was just poised and ready for the moment. He didn't seem like it was too big for him. Yeah, man. That, I think. To this day, that's what's most impressive about him. Even when he's maybe not playing as well as he wants to, when you watch him on the field, a lot of times, actually all the time, it looks like he still believes he has full control. He's never panicked. The guys around him gain some confidence from that, I'm sure. And it's been exciting to watch. And I'll ask you, since you have played at so many different places uh, through college, now in the NFL, when you transition offensive coordinators, Mike Yersich gets let go at Penn State. He moves on. They bring in a new offensive coordinator. How tough of a transition is that offensively when you're playing for a new coordinator in year one? Uh, it's as tough as you make it, honestly, because, you know, in college, I've had I had five different offensive coordinators in college. Um, every year I was in college, I had a different offensive coordinator and a new receiver coach. So, I mean, it's like, you know, you just got to kind of get with the program. Um, and, you know, obviously, you know, it's like, for me, how I always learned is, you know, you got to start with the basics first, you know, learn your formations, learn, you know, the basic plays, quick game and all those different things. I mean, it's it's I feel like when you really think about it, all offenses are pretty the same, you know, pretty similar for the most part, you know, as as far as, you know, me learning. Um, it's just like, OK, what concepts are the same? Yada, yada, yada. OK, they call this this and they call this this, but it's the same thing. You know what I mean? So it's just about, you know, finding similarities and, you know, obviously just trying to figure out, you know, what's new. Yeah, and that's that's the interesting part about football that maybe I think people outside of that realm don't really get to understand. The casual fan is that everybody's doing the same thing to some extent. Yeah. Once you understand a base level of concepts and what an offense or a defense is going to try to do to you, they may align differently. They may do little intricate things to make it seem different, but yeah. the concept is the same. The idea is the same. So once you have an understanding of that, and that's what I've been telling Penn State fans about Drew with the new offensive coordinator – he understands football at a high level, especially for a young player. He's poised already, and he's a smart guy, so I have no concern that he's going to be able to go learn those things in his next year and continue to grow. You, you started at JUCO, Tinsley. You started on the JV basketball team. You went JUCO. You had to get it the hard way, and then you end your college career. In the biggest bowl game there's ever been, the Rose Bowl, you lead the team in receptions, and you win the game before heading off to an NFL career. So I want to ask you that that moment, that that evening you guys played in the Rose Bowl and you played well, how important was it for you and your family? You know, I think for me, it was just like before I, you know, took the field, it was kind of like, you know, I just got to really like, man, like live in the moment, like, man, like well, it was a really kind of full circle because my favorite player was Reggie Bush. That's kind of the reason I wear number five. And his last game was in the Rose Bowl. You know what I mean? Uh, and it was kind of it was kind of crazy. Uh, you know when they played uh, they played Texas, I think that year. Um, but yeah, it was a uh, it was you know it was a long time coming. Uh, and you know I was very appreciative uh, you know to be there and and be able to play in that game you know for my team and you know for Penn State. Uh, you know, but I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, that's cool, man. Reggie Bush was was my favorite player too. Um, yeah, 
yeah, obviously it was nothing like Reggie Bush, but <laughs> it was enjoyable to watch. I respect it wearing number five because of that's awesome. Um, you know, I asked you, let's let's fast forward now. You're playing with the Washington Commanders. Uh, but in Mitch Tinsley fashion, your journey there was not the easiest route possible. You go undrafted out of Penn State. It's hard as an undrafted guy to make the practice squad, let alone the active roster. You have found a way again to beat the odds, rise above, and earn your keep. What did it take to do it? How did you go about it? Uh, and at what point throughout camp did you realize, man, I got a chance to go do it for real? I would say – Man, it was when I first got here. Honestly, it was like OTAs. Um, you know, we're with, we're with the uh, veterans and things like that, um, and I'm making still making the same plays. Um, I feel like the speed wasn't different. You know, what I mean, it was kind of like like say when you asked me about the jump from this to this. It was like I felt ready. Honestly, you know, I I, I was making a lot of plays every single day. I was picking up the offense really well because, like I said, that's this is my sixth offensive coordinator, sixth receiver coach, different system. And six years, you know what I mean? So it's like, I mean, it's just, you know, it's the same thing. So I feel like for me, you know, I was I was ready for it. Um, and, you know, obviously, you know, you got to take it one day at a time. And, you know, you know, obviously with being undrafted, you got to limit the mistakes and things like that. But, you know, for me, it was no it was no pressure, honestly. You know, I, I knew that, you know, as long as I put my best foot forward, I would, you know, get the results that I wanted. Um, but, you know, honestly, to this day, I feel like I'm nowhere near how good of a player I can be. And, you know, the goals I want to accomplish, I'm nowhere near those those goals either. So I still got a lot of things that I'm trying to work for and, and get to. So uh, it's just the beginning, honestly. Yeah, respect. We look forward to watching it. I got a couple quick questions here for you. You talk about goal setting. You talk about accomplishing those goals. You, you do it time and time again, and you continue to advance in football and life and all the things you do. But I want to ask you, because I think it takes more than talent. And we ask all of our guests, when you go accomplish these things, when you're waking up in the morning and you're going to do it, you're not, and we're talking about the grind of it, not the shine of it. You're going yeah. and you're, you're disciplining yourself to go accomplish these things. What is Mitch Tinsley's why? Yeah. Uh, you know, for me, it, it's about, it's a few things. You know, I, I want to inspire, um, you know, people that were in similar situations as me. Uh, that, you know, whether it's football or anything that, you know, no matter how grim it looks, you know, you can be whatever you want to be. You can do whatever you want to do. Um, you know, I feel like for me, you know, I've, you know, you know, shown that, uh, you know, you know, with faith, you know, I, you know, I believe in God uh, that, you know, you know, prayer and hard work can get you anything you want. So I feel like for me, you know, that's one of the reasons. Um, and then obviously, you know, my goals, personal goals that, you know, I've always wanted and dreams that, you know, I like I've, I've seen this stuff before it happened almost in a way, like, you know, kind of like not how, exactly how it went, but like for the most part, I visualize, you know, I always visualize myself being in the NFL. Like, you know, I always, you know, it's like, it's like that. It's like, you have to, you have to dream to know what you want. And then then you have to leave that somewhere, hang it up somewhere, and you know, and know like, all right, what's the steps to get to that, and focus one step at a time. You know, what I mean, for me it was okay. Like I know I need to go JUCO, so I'm gonna go JUCO to try to get some type of Division One offer. And then boom, once I get this Division One offer, I need to have production. I need to play. I need to make big plays and big moments. Um, and you know, once you you know, stack those little goals up, you'll, you'll get to where you want to get to. So I feel like, you know, that was, you know, you know, how I set my goals and, you know, how, you know, it, it kind of worked for me. 
Yeah, no, I respect it, man. One foot in front of another, trusting your faith, you know, going about it every day with the understanding that this plan is already written and that you you got the success that you want to go. I love the Kobe quote earlier with uh, the work ethic, like it's got to happen tomorrow, but the patience to endure the long stretch, the marathon that life Definitely. is. Yeah, I respect, it. I respect it, man. I want to ask you last question here. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you. It's a popular <laughs> one. You're a rookie in the NFL, Mitch. Yeah. Have you had a hey rookie welcome to the NFL moment at the end of this season? Uh, as far as like on the field, off the field, like what, practice, what off the field, any of it. Oh man. Uh, well, I, off the field, you know, I've, I've had some like rookie duties type thing. Like, you know, I, you know, every uh, every away game, you know, I got to bring food to, uh, you know, in our receiver room, I got to bring food, uh, you know, to the to the plane. Um, um, I had a rookie dinner when I when we went to Seattle when we played the Seahawks. Um, let's All like, right. let's let's start about rookie dinner because I, I hear various reports about what rookie dinner looks like. Mine, mine, mine wasn't crazy. Like, there's a lot of crazy stories out there. Like, mine wasn't like crazy. Like, I spent like I spent like fifteen hundred, or the the bill was like fifteen hundred, fifteen hundred dollars. Okay. Like, it, it's not. It wasn't like crazy. You know what I mean? Like, there's some people that that spend some spend some real bread, but you know, uh, but. Uh, I haven't, really, I haven't really had that moment, at least as of right now. You know what I mean? Um, like I said, you know, uh, I'm just kind of waiting for my opportunity. But, you know, I'm sure, you know, there, there's going to be a moment when, you know, I get in. And, I mean, I remember when we played we play the Broncos. And I'm like, man, I'm really out here. Uh, like, I'm on the field. And I'm like, wow. Like, there's Russell Wilson over there. He's watching me in the game right now. I'm going, I'm going, I'm going in motion. I'm like, Russell Wilson's watching me watching like you know what I mean like you know what I mean just like you know stuff yeah. like that but I mean I haven't had I don't think I've had like a hey Ricky welcome to the NFL moment yet not yet right well I'll tell you what Mitch I don't know if you hear yourself talking but anybody who can say that that $1,500 meal they paid for wasn't too crazy is a blessed <laughs> individual man God has been good in your life man so I no, hope that you are thankful for it Tins, yeah. I appreciate you joining me, man. All the all the love and respect in the world for you, bro. Keep doing your thing. Keep climbing. You got fans over here at the Lions Den. When you go make your first Pro Bowl and win your first Super Bowl and do all those things, we'll bring you back on here, bro. Most definitely. Most, most definitely. I appreciate you having me. Yes, sir. Appreciate you, Tins.